Welcome to Choir Talks. My name is Greg O'Neill. I'm the worship pastor at Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Madison, Mississippi, and Choir Talks is my weekly podcast. This week I've been reading through uh, some really great stories from the Old Testament, particularly in the book of Kings, and uh, I came across what is one of the greatest miracles and coolest stories in all of the Old Testament, so I wanted us to share that together today. It's the story about Elijah and the God challenge that happened on Mount Carmel. And so it starts with um, the, the coming of a new king in the northern kingdom in Israel. The king is Ahab. And um, the message uh, calls him a new champion of evil. Uh, and so he comes in. He is the son of an evil king. And then he takes evil to a whole nother level, apparently. He marries uh, a woman from a, a princess from a surrounding country called Jezebel. And she introduces her uh, gods of her country, false gods, and Ahab is all in with those. And so he sets up temples and places of worship all over to worship these false gods. And he, and he goes about trying to stamp out all of those who believe in the true God. He, he starts killing the prophets of Yahweh. And uh, they, they all are in hiding or killed by him, all except one. In uh, 1 Kings 17, the Bible introduces that one prophet. His name is Elijah. And in, in the beginning of that chapter, he is uh, talking to Ahab and telling him, announcing to him that there's going to be a drought in the land until uh, he says otherwise. And right after he makes that proclamation, God instructs him to hide from Ahab. And so he does that over the course of three years. He's hiding from Ahab so that Ahab can't come and either kill him or um, try to make the drought stop. Uh, and so then in chapter 18, God comes to Elijah and says that he is about to end this three-year drought. But first, there's going to be a God challenge, a challenge between the true God, Yahweh, and this God, that this false God, Baal, that uh, Ahab has been leading Israel to worship. And it's important to have this God challenge before the drought ends because Baal is the storm God. He is the God that brings rain, supposedly, to Israel. So uh, when the drought ends, there should be no question of who brought that, whether the true God, Yahweh, or this storm God who might bring a storm to end the drought. So there's going to be no question here because there's going to be a God challenge that is definitively going to show who is the true God. So here's how eight, uh, chapter 18 goes. Um, Ahab went to meet Elijah, and when he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, troubler of Israel? And Elijah answers back and he says, I have not made trouble for Israel, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals, the, gods, uh, the God of Baal. Ahab sets it up as a, as a battle between the two men, uh, troubler of Israel, he says. But Elijah reframes it. It's really a battle between two faiths, two uh, gods, two um, faith systems or worldviews even. And so he says, go and summon all of Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Table. Why Mount Carmel? Uh, 
some believe that Mount Carmel was the place that was dedicated to Baal or the mountain of Baal and place of, of worship for him. So Ahab, the king, sends word uh, throughout Israel and gathers the people and the prophets of Baal. And uh, Elijah goes before the people as they meet, and he has a message for them. And the message is this, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. Um, There's... There's these competing faith views, these competing religions, these competing ideas of who we should put our trust in. And so Elijah says, let's put them to the test and let's choose one. And so the people agree and say, what you say is good. And so Elijah says to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord left. Baal has 450 prophets. So Let's do this contest, he says. Let's let's let the Baal prophets come and choose for themselves an, an offering among two bulls and build an build an altar there and take the bull that they choose, put it on the altar, and let their God provide fire for the altar to burn it up. And so that's what happens. The people say that is good. So uh, Elijah says to them, you choose first. And they chose their, their bull and they created an altar. And then they called on the name of Baal from morning to noon, it says. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. And so they danced around the altar that they had made. And at noon, I love this part, Elijah begins to taunt them. He says, shout louder. Surely he is a god, right? Uh, He is perhaps busy or deep in thought. Uh, Maybe he's sleeping or he's on a journey. Uh, So they shout louder. They slash themselves, cut themselves with swords so that their blood flowed. And after uh, midday and all of their frantic prophesying, it says, uh, there was no response. No one answered. Then Elijah said to all the people, come to me. And they did. And Elijah took 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel and he beat, he built an altar and then he put um, the bull on the altar and he dug a trench around it and he instructed the people to bring uh, four large jugs of water and pour water over the altar and over the sacrifice and it, and they did and it flowed down into a trench that he had dug around the, the altar and then he said do it again and then he said do it a third time so that there is Everything is completely drenched in water. And then Elijah prays. And this is his prayer. He says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel. Uh, Answer me, Lord, so that all these people will know that you are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then at that moment, the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice. It burned up the wood and the stones and the soil, and it licked up all the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they said, Yahweh, he is God. Yahweh, he is God. And then uh, Elijah commands them, seize the prophets of Baal. And then they're all put to the sword and executed. This is a great story. But, but what does it mean for us? This story is in the Bible, not just to record history, but to help teach those who follow God. And so what is it, what is it teaching us? 
just like in the days of Ahab, we have a culture that is influenced by the true champion of evil, which is Satan. And he has the same agenda. He would like for um, the, the knowledge of Jehovah, of Yahweh, the true God, to be diminished and for there to be other choices, false gods and false ways of thinking about God that make it hard for people to see what is true. And so we need to understand the truth in the midst of a difficult circumstance, and we need to be the voice of truth. Elijah said about himself, I am the only person left, and and Baal, the false god, has 450 prophets. I don't know if you've ever felt like that or not, but when you follow Jesus, uh, you're, you're going to be outnumbered. I think that is a takeaway that you can see here. And uh, yet you need to speak the truth. We need to help people to see the truth about who the Father is and about his plan to uh, reach them in love through Jesus Christ. There, there will always be more teachers of what is false than those who are willing to speak the truth in the world. So if you follow Jesus, are you willing to stand by yourself? Are you willing to speak the truth even when seemingly no one else around you believes it? Also a takeaway is looking at those prophets of Baal. See how how sincere and how passionate they were uh, about their God. They were willing to, to cut themselves and, and to agree to this, this challenge in the first place. They were sincere. They were true believers. And yet they believed in something that was false, something that had no power. We're surrounded by people that believe in, in things that are false, that don't lead them to a true knowledge of the Father. And yet... Uh, they are sincere and passionate, but those those passions and sincerity don't lead them to find the truth. We need to be messengers that, that spread the truth in this society. Just because something is popular and widely agreed on doesn't mean that it is truth and that it is right. Think about Elijah himself. The end of the day for the prophets who were wrong in this contest meant that they were executed that same fate probably would have waited for Elijah had he been wrong. And yet he had faith to step up and to believe in a God who would answer his prayers. How about you? Is the faith that you're living by good enough to stand by, stand with, even though there might be consequences? One other thing I want you to see about this story is the idea that God brought a drought Before he sets up this God challenge, he brings a drought into the land, a time of difficulty into the land, because many times as a people and and you and I as individuals, uh, it is those times of difficulty that help us learn to depend on God, that help us open our eyes to see the power of God Almighty. So he brings a drought into the land. But here's the end of the story. After this defeat of Baal, Then Elijah goes to pray that God will end the drought. And so he takes his servant up to a high place. He prays diligently. He says, God, end the drought. And he sends the servant out to look to see if the rain is coming. But the servant comes back and says, I don't see any clouds. And so Elijah prays diligently and and he sends the servant back out. And the servant doesn't see anything. In fact, he does this seven times. And then finally, the servant comes back and he says, I see a small cloud the size of a man's fist. 
And when he says this, then Elijah knows the, the prayer is answered. And so he goes to Ahab and he says, you should get on your chariot now because the rain is coming. James, and when he writes his book, he remembers this story. And he's, as he is encouraging the people he's writing to to be diligent in prayer and pray with faith, he says, Elijah is a, was a man just like you and me. And when he prayed for a drought, then the Lord sent drought. And when he prayed for rain, then the Lord sent rain. So one takeaway is this. Uh, Elijah was a man of prayer, but he is no more powerful in prayer than you or I. He is a human just like you and I. So what are you praying for? What are you believing in prayer and asking the Father for? I think we should be diligent to pray in the drought that is the difficult times that we live in. The Father is wanting to speak to his children. He's wanting to allow himself to be seen as the one true God. And we should pray toward that end, that God would show himself and that he would bring healing and hope to our city, our state, and our country. I hope you have a great day. 